Irish NFL show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Welcome back into the Irish NFL show. Our final segment of this podcast with Andrew Morgan is around head coaching. And we're going to just focus on three head coaches that we feel, or I feel, certainly feel, I'm hoping Andrew would agree with me that these are three coaches, for all for various different reasons, are under the microscope this year and will be under pressure to deliver. Um, we'll kick off. The first one for me is Robert Sala. Um, look, there's been so much talk of the offseason, in particular on Aaron Rodgers, but then even over the course of the last few days, like they brought in Amos again from the second year to Packers. Like the amount of players in which have signed for this Jets team, that's probably a story in itself, Andrew, the amount of Packers players that we're going to see in green this year, but not green and gold, and green and white, and playing in New Jersey as opposed to Lambeau Field in Wisconsin. Like, is Robert Sala under pressure? Because a lot of Jets fans are so excited, and you know, rightly so, they put a great team together. It's a lot of young players on offense, and they have a defense that the trainers on their day can be really productive. And a lot of people feel this is their now time that they have a real chance to really deliver this year. Whether they make the Super Bowl, I'm not sure, but certainly there's a lot of expectation that they will make the AFC Championship game. And for me, Robert Sala is a bit of a con- concern because there were some games last year that I reflect on. I reflect on kind of the game manager, the play calling. I think of the Lions game at home. Even after the Lions went ahead with two minutes to go, his play calling was a bit erratic in terms of trying to get them in- into position to win the game. Then a, a lot of time off the clock, I think of how the game ended in Foxborough and you've got a punt and I know like punt is a punt, but put the ball in a bounce, take overtime. Instead, they kick it down the field. It's returned for a touchdown. I'm probably been a bit unfair on Jets fans by scrutinizing certain plays and certain games, but a head coach now that has so many players and attributes and they brought in an offense coordinator that effectively Rogers knows and knows the scheme and should be able to hit the ground running. Is it fair to say he's in a position where if they don't have the season, the expectation that Jets fans and the ownership expect that his job could be on the line come the next off season? So when you posed that question to me about the head coaches on the hot seat. The first thing I did is I went and looked at the Jets' schedule for the first six weeks, okay? Now, have a little count and tell me how many wins you see out of this first six weeks. Bills, Cowboys, Chiefs, Broncos, Patriots, Eagles. Let's let's take it from the start. The Bills game, Bills game for me could go either way because it's week one, Monday night football. The hype will be huge but the Bills will want to put a marker down, like they did on in SoFi on the Thursday night in the opening game last season. That's a tough one to call. We're doing picks now, Ian, John. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go Bills. I'll go Bills. Yeah. Okay. Then Cowboys. On the road. In Dallas. Mm. Oh, God, that's very tough. This is the whole kind of like scenario that played out in my head. Then you've got the Chiefs. That's not week three, though. Is that the week three game? That is the week yeah. three game. Chiefs. It's in Genie Mac. Oh, people have been listening okay. to this saying, get out of this podcast. Get out of this podcast. Broncos. So Broncos, I would say, would be an easy Jets win. Should should 
be an easy Jets win. But we say that with Sean Payton's going in there, Russell Wilson could be yeah. revitalized. Yeah. I give them the win in that game. I... Yeah, then you've got the Patriots. So I you know the animosity that Bill Belichick has for anybody in Gangrene. Still give them the win though. Yeah. And then um just to finish that off, then you've got the the um Super Bowl losers, the Eagles. No, I'd say they lose that. I think in a strange way, they'll probably come out, and it's, a, it's the same with every NFL season with teams. I think they might come out at two and two, but the two wins might be against, might be surprise you. They might be not the ones that you think they, like they might beat the Chiefs on a Sunday night football in MetLife, and people wouldn't expect so it. This is the thing that kind of like flips the coin either way for me, is that you've got Aaron Rodgers, who we all know, Hall of Fame quarterback, mercurial talent, but was also a discontent in Green Bay, and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Romeo dubs the fourth round pick from the Packers last year. He he did a little bit at minicamp, and he was basically saying, "I don't see the difference between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers because the guy never talked to us. Like we we never spoke to the guy. He just threw the ball to us. So there was it was quite clear that he he knew who he was in Green Bay. So you in the you in the New York media, you've got the pressure. You've got the pressure of seeing Tom Brady move teams and enhance the legacy." He's only won one ring in the whole of his career. If you come out starting two and four, one and five maybe, because it's a tough schedule to start, what what could happen? You've got a situation where there's they're going to be given a first-round pick next year because Rodgers is going to play over 60% of the stats. So now you're looking at Robert Salah and thinking, right, now the, the pressure is on because you're not rebuilding. You're not putting all the pieces together. Joe Douglas has come in and done a fantastic job of roster construction, and you've pundit it all on this quarterback. So now what's going to happen? So I don't think that he's... He, he probably isn't going to be let go at the end of the year unless he completely tanks and it's an absolute disaster. But a lot of it is going to be looked at him there saying, you have the roster, you've got the pieces, you've got marquee players all across the important positions, We've, invest, we, we've reaped the benefits of being poor. So we have great draft picks on the defensive line, on at cornerback, on the offensive line. You've got everything that you need. It's going to be really interesting to see how he deals with his game management, how he deals with this quarterback, and also how he makes sure that the Jets stay competitive in a division where Miami are going to look at like failed. Um, the Bills are going to be looking at as, as Super Bowl contenders. And... You've got the Patriots who have had a couple of years of mediocrity and need to get back to the um, to the high levels that they they aspire to. I wish we could go back 15 years because I'd be a lot younger, and also the Giants would be the defending champions. But it does strike me as that time when they went out and made the trade for Brett Favre. No, sorry, not the trade for Brett Favre, and he'd been released by the Packers at the time, and he went to, to the to the Jets. And a lot of similarities in the expectations on the team at that time. They won a lot of games. He got the injury, and then kind of the season. Fizzled out. It'd be interesting to see if we have a deja vu scenario come this season. Mm. Very valid points, and I really enjoyed making picks in June for games that are going to come September, yeah. October. I'm hoping, I hope we're going to do the same on the next coach because the next coach is in the NFC East, and it's uh, one of our air rivals, the Giants' rivals, and that's Dallas Cowboys. And this one might be a little bit easier to go on, and that's Mike McCarthy because like Callum Moore was relieved of his duties at the end of the season, and I'm not going to say he was the fall guy because I, I actually fully understood the rationale behind it. I did feel his offensive play calling was a bit, a bit iffy at times in some of the games towards the end of the season, particularly the playoff game. I thought some of the positions in which he put Dak Prescott in in San Francisco could have been avoided in the game, though. He felt they dominated for large parts. Um, Callum Moore's moved on. I don't think there's any more excuses for, for, for Mike McCarthy. 
you see it that way? Do you think this is a year where Jerry Jones will say enough's enough? You know, because they do have a strong team. We touched on the last day the trades in which they've made with Gilmore and Cooks are very much trades for now. We see ourselves as a team that should be challenging the NFC champions or to be the NFC champions and be in the Super Bowl. Is it fair to say that this is a really year in which he really needs to deliver? I think that really put, uh, hits the nail on the head. There's no more deception now because when you're a head coach that comes in and you're not going to call the offense, you're not going to call the defense, you are able to be that overall manager. You can bring parts in, you can bring in coordinators, you can do this, do that. Now he said, right, I'm calling the plays. I'm going to go back to what I did in Green Bay. Five out of seven seasons calling the plays in Green Bay. He was phenomenally successful. They were a juggernaut team. So it's not like he's fishing for something to kind of like show how um, relevant that he is as a coach. It's an absolute strength that he has. However, Dallas expect to be in a championship game or Super Bowl every year. And the last couple of years, yes, they've made the playoffs, but they have not gone as far as they did, needed to into the playoffs. So, of course, Jerry Jones is going to be restless. What other owner does a Sunday press conference and then does Monday and Tuesday media rounds where he's very particular about what he thinks about his team? No other owner does that. So you've, you've got this situation where he wants to be in the Super Bowl. He wants to see his team doing really, really well. And Mike McCarthy now has got the pieces that he needs, bringing in um, Brandon Cooks, bringing in Stephen Gilmore. All of these pieces alongside the marquee players that they have, I think this could be quite a, quite a challenging season for him because you know the NFC East is just going to beat up on each other. They play each other twice. They always are competitive games, no matter how well these teams are doing towards the back end of the year. You know that there's going to be, um, it's going to be quite a split division in terms of the record. So that's always going to be tough. And yeah, he, he's now in a position where he has to show that him calling the plays is the right move and that that's putting all of the weight on his shoulders. So that's that's going to be quite squeaky bum time. And you touched on this, the schedule uh, when we when we spoke about um, the previous team with the Jets. Like They started off in a New York doubleheader. As you said, they play week one in New York against the Giants and week two against the Jets. So, yeah, a tough start for them on the road in New York. Then obviously a hold to the Jets. If the, I said if the Jets were to win that Bills game, they'd be going into Dallas. It's fully expecting them to beat the Cow, beat up on the Cowboys. The last one, and you touched on it there, and it's kind of very similar. Um, I recently interviewed um, John Chapman from the 49ers Rush podcast. He's based out on the West Coast. And he said, as a lot of 49ers has now would sacrifice a three or four years of poor, you know, of having difficult years, like similar probably to what we're going to see with the Bucs and maybe what we, we will see with the Rams. They sacrifice that to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the, just the question was, are you satisfied with being a team that goes to the playoffs every year? And they're going to a little bit of step on the, from the Cowboys. They're now making championship games on a regular basis, but they just can't seem to get over the line. And when they do get over the line, it's always the Chiefs. They really should have beaten the Chiefs. They're seven minutes to go. They're up by 10. So, you know, got away from the run game and essentially allowed the, the Chiefs back in. And Kyle Shannon, look, I, feel, I do feel for 49 fans because I don't think we, any of us got to see a championship game that which we desire between the the Eagles and, and the 49ers because of the way the quarterback situation unfolded with injuries in that game. Do you see, and I'm not saying Carlos Jamin is certainly not going to be a coach that loses loses his, his job there in, or his tenure, but like at some stage you have to feel like they need to get over the line. They need to get to the Super Bowl. Whether, whether they win it or not is another thing, but they need to be representing the AFC in a Super Bowl for what John Lynch and Carlos Jamin have done there over the course of the last four to five years. 
yeah, so I think this is probably the the one name where I was, I was thinking if the San Francisco 49ers were ever in a position where they were unhappy with what Kyle Shanahan did, there would be at least 15 NFL owners rolling up the private jets, the money, the bank, everything that they needed to try and persuade Kyle Shanahan to run their team. Because it's really interesting looking at trends and fads in the NFL. We look, the Wildcat came in and got sussed out. If you are a defensive coordinator trying to run the Tampa 2, you're going to get found out these days. Lovie Smith tried to do it in two separate teams and, and really got torched every time. The Legion of Doom in, in Seattle, who ran match cover three, that is now not a, a scheme that you can run. And Dan Quinn found that when he was at the Falcons. He then reinvented himself when he was at the Cowboys and stopped running that. Nobody knows how to stop a Kyle Shanahan offense. And you look at his coaching tree, you look at um, Sean McVay going to um, to Los Angeles, you look at Mike McDaniel in Miami, you look at the coordinators that have then come from him as well. He is an absolute NFL god when it comes to offensive play calling. And there's a reason why Brock Purdy, who came from Mr. Irrelevant, was able to be a quarterback that took them to the NFC Championship game and was looked at as probably a, the better matchup quarterback for the game to take San Francisco to the Super Bowl. Um, he's done a phenomenal job in terms of helping to build that team. And I mean, we were talking about Mac Jones a little bit earlier. I am convinced that when San Francisco traded up, Mac Jones was the guy that they wanted to go and get. Um, one of your um, co-hosts on the podcast was talking about the Kirk Cousins in San Francisco scenario um, a week or so ago, because if you get a game manager who makes great decisions and has got a good arm, they're going to thrive in an offense where Kyle Shanahan's giving you Debo Samuel 20 yards open because the safety's got something on going on over here, but he's got no clue what to cover. So in terms of the schematics and things like that, I don't think he's ever going to be under pressure in that kind of respect. I think it's going to be interesting seeing the new defensive coordinator come in with the pieces that they have and seeing how D'Amico Ryans obviously had the success, what Salah had the success previously, that has got to be a really important part of how they play their football this this fall. And um, obviously, Steve Wilkes, coming from Carolina, he's had that success. Obviously, as the Arizona head coach, he didn't do very, very well. Um, that was probably because the team that he had wasn't very good at all. Um, but yeah, you, I, I think that he's not really in a position of being under pressure for his job. But I think there's that expectation of there are rise and falls of teams in this league. You look at San Francisco in the Colin Kaepernick and um, Jim Harbaugh era. Sorry, They had really good playoff runs. They, they came close a couple of times. They get, went to the Super Bowl and they fell short. And then it just kind of like dived entirely. And you're always worried that if you don't take the opportunities that you've got with the roster that you have, then it's going to fall away from you and you're going to be in a rebuild mode in three, four, five years' time. And obviously teams like the Rams and the Bucks have ridden that really well, been successful, and are now on the back end of it looking at massive salary cap implications and largely rookie roster teams. But then you look at other teams that got nearly there and then they've had to rebuild and come back and reset. So yeah, I think the pressure's on there in terms of the legacy of what he does with the players that he has and the scheme that he runs so successfully. But ultimately, yeah, I, I don't think if, if the like I said, if the 49ers thought that he wasn't the answer, the majority of teams in this league would think he was. Yeah, I guess it's I guess I, I suppose the question in the narrative is obviously around how long did it 
keep going with this before someone somewhere decides a change is needed. Not necessarily with the coach, could be the GM, maybe John Lynch is the guy that steps away, you know, as opposed to Kyle Shannon. A team in which, as you said, NFL not for long, and like as other teams continue to build and get better, the 49ers might lose this window of opportunity that they have, no matter who's who's their quarterback. And Steve Wilkes, is, you're right, like he's going to come in and be interested to see how he, I suppose, transitions into being the defensive coordinator with the 49ers. Did a great starting job with the Panthers towards the end of the season, winning four of the last six games. You would expect he'd be able to take on the mantle from D'Amico Ryans and keep this defense, which is only improved with Javon Hargrave, for example, as a free agency, marquee free agency pickup from the Eagles in March, just gone. Andrew, I feel like we could probably go through all the head coaches. Maybe it is a little bit of an opportunity for us to do another segment next week and we'll pick three or four more head coaches out and run through them and gather our thoughts. That sounds like something I'd really like you to come back and do with us if that's something you're keen on. So, yeah, sounds good. I'd be all over that for sure. I could talk yeah. talk about it for hours. Yeah, no, that's been a, it's been a really enjoyable episode, both the first part of this podcast and the second part. Andrew, for now, I really appreciate your time as always. Thanks for joining us on the Irish NFL Show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys.